This episode of Witch Police Radio is brought to you by Amos the Kid's debut EP, Mountain View. It's breezy, nostalgic, inspired indie country, and it feels just right even in a crisis. The first release on Winnipeg's own House of Wonders records, Mountain View is filled with longing for drunken nights at bars, big family gatherings, and for roaming the great outdoors. Make sure you check out Tragic Nostalgia, the debut album from Winnipeg's Jared Adams. They'll be available to stream everywhere on June 26th, and you can visit tragicnostalgia.ca right now for more information. Hey folks, this episode of the podcast is my conversation with Braden from Panicland. It's a chat about the band's upcoming new music, about their industry experience in Los Angeles, and we talk a lot about the album they recorded in the style of Green Day as a prank, which ended up convincing hundreds of thousands of Green Day fans that it was a genuine article. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Okay, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, as is the norm these days, I'm doing a remote call, and this time it's with someone who's been on the show a few times before, but I think it's been a couple of years now since you were last on, and uh, yeah. a lot of things have happened since then. Yeah, so, when was the last time? It was in uh, it was in that restaurant, right? Yeah, I think that was like 2018, maybe? Or, yeah. Or 19 at, the, 19 at the latest, but yeah, it was a while ago. So I think that maybe the best way to just get this started is if you want to introduce yourself and, you know, a little bit about your music. I have an idea, you know, have, from having talked to you before and listening to your stuff. But I'm kind of curious how you would describe it at this point in time. Because I think that, uh, from what I've heard anyway, things have changed a little bit in your sound and just kind of the overall uh, direction of the band. Yeah, I mean, we were actually, like, I kind of consider us a, a, a different band at this point. We were, before that video kind of... Uh spread around on the internet a bit we were just about to change your name so it was oh, kind really? of bad timing for that yeah but um yeah so we're called panic land i do uh lead vocals uh guitar and uh i guess i write write the songs okay and so i mean maybe just uh to kind of place you in my own head here like when i first heard about you we talked i think it was probably four years ago now the first time and at that point i was under the impression that you guys were basically a boy band yeah and you were writing you were writing some big pop songs and it was like it was very much a pop project and then you know it seems like from what i've heard now more recently it, it seems like the songs are maybe a little bit more um kind of wider in scope and more uh I still pop. There's still pop sounds in there, but there, there's definitely more going on, and it seems like there's more um, more detail, and and the songs are more complicated and more involved. And I'm just kind of wondering, how would you define it now? Like, do you still think that pop is the label that you would go with? Well, I mean, it depends. Like, I think pop. Like we've kind of talked about this before. I think pop kind of describes most things. You know, I think most yeah, ro- rock yeah. is pop. Personally, anything outside of like. Uh, Beethoven and, and world music really is pop to me uh, but I don't know I would say I guess we, we would we would fit more in the rock category but um, it's funny because that's sort of how we started when we were 12 yeah. 13 14 that's what we played that's what we liked and that's what we listened to and then what happens is when you make you know you make rock music uh, it's it's not too hard to record it yourself so we recorded a lot of stuff ourselves when we were 14 and that sort of started to attract when we were very young some people who wanted to kind of 
you know, develop us a little bit. So then, you know, we kind of just do did whatever would allow us to make the most music back in the day. And then before you know it, you find yourself writing with people in Los Angeles, but not in like, not in like a positive way. You kind of got to do some of the stuff that like you heard us do before, you know, that we had to do when we were younger. And it was just, it was mostly because we were fans of music, but coming full circle, I mean, like learning by watching people like, you know, Gavin Brown record Three Days Grace or something, you kind of get your pop sensibility from those experiences that may have been like worth nothing now as far as what music we make because I have no interest in that stuff. But the pop sensibility, I guess, comes from that kind of experience. You know what I mean? Kind of. Well, I think that the last time we talked, which was that one at the restaurant, I think you guys were like on the verge of heading out to Los Angeles. So I think that a lot has probably happened since then, right? So, I mean, it looks like you're a three-piece now. Is that right? Yeah, we we don't have our our old drummer. I don't think he does music at all. I think he wants to kind of pursue uh, photography and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Okay, okay. So is that kind of around the time you were thinking about changing the band name when you changed the lineup a bit? Or no, it wasn't because of the lineup. It was just because of the lack of interest that we had in what <laughs> in like the music we were making with other people. You know what okay, I mean? Okay. Because we we were work when we lived in LA. That was kind of a big group of us. And it was just for, uh, you know, for a lot of that stuff, like writing with other people and writing, sometimes writing for other people, just a lot of, of writing. And uh, like I said, you kind of learn, learn a few tricks and stuff like that, but it really kills, it kills any personality you have. And then you're, you're stuck doing that. And, and I'm not complaining about it. Like I, I like having done that, but I definitely knew that's not <laughs> that's not where we want to stick with and we don't want to have to keep working with you know a lot of idiots cuz a lot of those people they are idiots and a lot of like their suggestions are I guess idiotic so then <laughs> you know it makes sense to sort of uh it, it's just stu- it's just stuff like okay go into the session make this kind of song someone comes in oh this is a hit song and they're guessing what you know what kids like and i never really let loose about them before because we were still working with them and you can't yeah. really do that but um yeah a lot of idiots <laughs> fair enough yeah yeah i mean that's a cool experience though just to kind of see things from that angle because i think that uh a lot of people will just stay i mean relatively close to home and go through the music industry kind of uh routine in that one area but you guys sort of took it to the uh, i guess like the big leagues of where things are happening and you saw that kind of firsthand yeah yeah i mean like we i like it there it's nothing against uh it's nothing against the music industry as a whole but i'm just talking about that specific uh little system of of writing sessions and stuff that definitely has a place but like it's it's not uh it's not what i want to do uh, as far as write songs with other people, I like just writing songs with myself. I don't like it to feel like uh, part of a part of an overall system, and I don't like it to feel like like okay, well here's the song I did today. Now let's send it off to uh, this person and let's get their constructive criticism. Like that that kind of thing just drives me nuts because I mean, when I make music, it's usually the stuff I like is usually in this room, not involving other people. Half the time, yeah. I just keep it to myself and just listen to it for my own personal enjoyment. So I want to sort of keep that structure as much as possible with like the little um, additional step of putting it on Spotify. And then, okay. um, you know, I think that's, uh, I don't know, it, it's, just, it's just a lot more enjoyable. And it weirdly 
people like it more you know that's that's what it comes down to is just who's listening to your stuff you know people people like that stuff people like when you can kind of bypass all the obvious nonsense yeah well when you were when you listened back to some of that stuff you were recording when you were part of that system there like did you have weird feelings about it at the time like after writing those songs like oh this isn't kind of true to yourself sort of thing well not well i don't know like i i knew it's not like I knew it was sort of part of a plan because I knew we were okay. gonna we were gonna s- s- hop over to another sound eventually, you know. And that that was even like even when we were doing the edge, I knew the edge wasn't even like still like fully what we were. It was a little bit uh, tame still, you know. Okay. Okay. And so like I knew we were gonna hop into something else, but I mean like that that's that's just public stuff. That's just like social media stuff where it's like oh you're not true to yourself like. I don't really care about that stuff. So I still felt pretty true to myself because really what's Instagram, what's Spotify? It's just one little element of your life. Like I said, I still recorded a lot of stuff that we would just have for ourselves. Yeah. You know, like I'd have a folder of, you know, 100 songs that, that we really like. And then some other songs that maybe came out of, of writing sessions where you got to kind of compromise and it's a lot more political, which is fine. And it all kind of, you know, it's cool. How is this um, whole pandemic situation affected you guys because i mean it seems like everyone's been affected in some way or another right like yeah. what kind of impact has it had on were you planning on releasing anything big or do, making any significant uh moves before this kind of shut everything down well for us actually it didn't it didn't really shut anything down because right like right when right before the pandemic started is kind of when some of our new music started spreading a little more and uh the the way we kind of did that music was in like a totally, I guess, isolated way where it doesn't involve a lot of people. Like it doesn't involve, doesn't involve other writers, doesn't involve other producers, doesn't involve mixers, mastering engineers. Sure. We kind of just do it all in this room. So it's, it's super easy to just, you know, like bang out a song and put it out. And uh, so it has, it hasn't really affected anything negatively. I'd say it, it more had like a positive impact for us as far as like how focused you can be and stuff like that. Okay. It gives you more opportunity to be creative because you have the time now? Yeah. I mean, we always sort of had the time, but it's just like, there's just something about knowing like (laughs) you're in the middle of a pandemic and like no one is doing anything. So if if you sort of have this extra time where you know you can do something within that time, it feels extra special that you have that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I think that's what how a lot of people are dealing with it too. I mean, because you know, it, it allows you to focus on on what you were focusing on, maybe to a greater degree. Because there's no, there are no shows happening, there are no tours happening, there are no, you know, you don't have to worry about social media and all this shit because no one's doing anything. So you still have to be involved, obviously. Yeah. But it's a different level, right? Because you you're not competing with anyone because you're all everyone's stuck. Everyone's stuck. It's like. Yeah, it's a weird thing because it seems like, oh, everyone's stuck and so this stuff doesn't count and eventually it'll be back to normal. But I don't think so. I think I think out of this pandemic, there's going to be new ways of doing things that make a lot that permanently make a lot of sense, like a lot more sense than the old way of doing things. So, yeah, so. you know, especially especially in music, like I don't know how other artists are like are dealing with it, but I would assume that a lot of people are going to have to record on their own a lot more. They're going to have to produce themselves. And it may just end up working a lot better for a lot of people. And then they may just stick with it, you know?
do you think it might have an effect of kind of evening the playing field a bit where independent artists have maybe more of a more of an advantage because they're everyone's starting from nothing again yeah because you can't do big tours and you can't do big festivals and things like that because it, it you will can't have crowds like it will for like six months when independent yeah. people are ahead of the labels and stuff but once they get a hang of things the labels will be ahead of sure. the independent artists again It'll, it's sure. always going to be a little bit of a like sort of a race type thing and i think when there whenever there's a big change the the people leading the way are always the independent artists yeah and then yeah. and then the the higher powers kind of swoop in and kind of take over for a few years and you know back and forth yeah at least this is a bit of a head start though it gives a you know a bit of an extra boost for independent artists i think it, i think it's great i think um well i, I don't think the pandemic is great but yes, i think the course, opportunity yeah. is great <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, definitely don't want to suggest the pandemic. <laughs> no. thing. But no, I know what you mean for sure. Um, I have to ask you about the Green Day thing because I was reading about that when it first uh, you guys first kind of came out with it, and uh, it's crazy to think of how many people you fooled with that project. So uh, I think you just need to explain that from the beginning because it's really impressive that you pulled the whole thing off and that you know it worked as well as it did. Like, how did that even come about? Well, it started last summer. I sort of had this idea in my mind of I've sort of always had this idea of my mind in my mind of recording a few songs in the style of 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 Green Day which I thought we could pull off because not like I I can pull off a Green Day impression pretty easily like yeah. par- part of the reason I I sing so high in our songs like The Edge is because when I used to sing in my lower voice, people would say, oh, it sounds a little too much like Green Day. So I thought, okay, well, I know Billy Joe doesn't sing any higher usually than a G sharp and like songs like The Edge, I'm going for a B and stuff like that. So it's just like, then it's not, you can't really tie it into that whole uh, thing. So then then I thought, okay, well, it'd be kind of fun to use that to our advantage just just in a funny way. And I thought that a while ago because they have... Legend has it that they have this this lost album called Cigarettes and Valentines. Is that, that the one that got stolen or something, or they lost the disc? Yeah, which like sounds just like it cannot be true. But like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. legend has it that they recorded this this full album called Cigarettes and Valentines right before American Idiot, and then the tapes got stolen. And instead right. of starting over, they just or instead of re-recording it, they just started from scratch and recorded American Idiot. And like, I, I believe that. It's, it's a lot more likely they just didn't like what they recorded, you know, just thought, okay, let's just mess with people. Let's just say so, that someone stole our album and then let's put out this American Idiot album. And then they didn't realize it was going to be such an iconic album. And yeah, so it was then such a weird legend, concept album stuff. Yeah, 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 and then so this legend kind of turned into this big thing and no one's ever, the, the stolen album never really turned up. And, you know, so it just doesn't seem believable. So I always thought it'd be fun to sort of record a fake Cigarettes and Valentine's album and have it just pop up. But then one day last summer, there was this, track listing that leaked um and it was supposed to be a green day album it was supposed to be called songs for assholes and it looked pretty like when i looked at it i could i was pretty sure it was fake i think a lot of people thought it was fake just because the titles were like songs you would think someone would make if they were parodying green day like take a stand and stuff it doesn't seem like legit titles so then i just thought okay well maybe maybe i will just for fun I'm just gonna, and at this time I was still writing and recording with a lot of other people, doing like 
full-blown like pop stuff that I was like yeah whatever you know so this was just more for my own enjoyment you know there was sure. absolutely no plan on making a video no plan on everyone anyone finding out it was us no plan on any of that stuff not even really leaking the songs at that point so then I just had some of the uh, titles and then I started with Rome Falls and then I did Take a Stand and then I just started recording these one minute versions of these songs but in the style of Green Day imagining yeah. like okay what would Green Day sound like if they were influenced if they made an album and it was kind of influenced by the Beatles but like uh, 1967 type of Beatles 68 white album Beatles mixed with like maybe some London Calling on on a specific song mixed with you know and then I would There's just some Queen stuff in there too I guess yeah right? and then like if they were like slightly influenced by, by Queen harmonies wise where it's yeah, like yeah. they got the thirds the fifths stacked up in like all the octaves and stuff and so then uh uh, so then it's like, okay, I recorded that and I listened to it and I was pretty satisfied there. Like my fun was, that was my full satisfaction. No, no intent on really doing a whole lot else. But then we thought almost as like a little afterthought, like, okay, let's just, um, let's leak these videos on the internet anonymously. Yeah. And, uh, so let's just see. We thought like maybe like a few Green Day fans will come across it and be like, what's this? Maybe talk about it for a minute. And then everything, the way we did that it was like one thing le led to another. So, so if we were going to leak the videos, we couldn't just shoot them here because this is clearly not uh, a traditional yeah. recording studio at all. It doesn't yeah. look legit at all. So, so we rented out, you know, Exchange District recording yep. downtown. Yep. We rented out that place because we we've recorded there a few times. And uh, Grant, the guy, probably thought we were nuts because we came in and we were we rented it out like specifically to play the, these songs out of the speakers and stand there with like hoods up and stuff and shoot it on a, on a Snapchat video, put it in black yeah. and white and kind of like imitate the mannerisms of Green Day a little bit as if it was them in the studio and, uh, and then have these little snippets playing. And then we thought, okay, well, how would these videos leak? They wouldn't leak them and their friends wouldn't leak them. So then we decided the, the those recording sessions, it, it would look like they had a choir come to the studio to record choir parts. Because then yeah. it would look like, okay, there's all these girls recording choir parts. It's going to be hard to make sure that nothing is getting videotaped. And right. so then we leaked them to, by making a fake Snapchat account, taking snaps in the studio. And then it made it look like one of the choir girls, uh, you know, taped something and leaked it. And then it just spread. Like once we put it up... It really spread amongst the hardcore Green Day fans, like the very hardcore ones, and they would analyze everything. It was it was pretty cool to, to see, but we did not expect it to 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 spread that much. And so we we had about four, I think four or five videos planned, and we did all all four or five. And then and then what really convinced people is we made sure that in the recording studio, we we had already made a fake album cover, the album cover that was in the in this right, video, yeah, 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 like this this one. And yeah. uh, it looks legit. It looks like you know. Yeah. It looks like it could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we made this fake album cover, and we had it printed out on a CD. Yeah. Just at Staples, like five bucks or something. And uh, we put it on the re the recording studio desk because a lot of bands do that. They have their album sure. art before they're done, and they kind of sure. you know get the mood and all that. So we had it on the desk, but just tucked in the corner so that if anyone sees the video, they'll have this. They'll see this album cover. But we made sure that before the video with the album cover was leaked, 
that we leaked just the cover on its own on Reddit from like a separate source. So nice. people found that first and they were like, oh, could this really be the album cover? Could it be the album cover? They had already seen the studio videos, but not the studio videos where you see the album cover in it. So then right. the next so you day- you just added more evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah so awesome. then the next day we leaked another video from the same session where in the corner you can see the CD on the table with that cover. And then that's when it kind of clicked for people. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And- uh, and so yeah, so yeah, that's 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 how that that's how that worked. And to make the the actual cover leak that we leaked on Reddit look more believable, what we did is originally we we just printed this, you know. But then we yeah. thought, okay, well, people could still call this out as fake because anyone could just print one cover. So then, what we thought is like, okay, well, let's make it a stack of records as if they're like test press okay. pressings or something. And then we just got a bunch of I think it was like cereal boxes glued together or something to make the sh- the 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 shape of records yeah, but since yeah. it was a stack you didn't need the whole cover we just needed the edges that would stick out underneath sure, yeah. the top one so then we only we just printed a few pages of edges at stables and then glued those on the pieces of cardboard stacked those up took the picture and that way it would seem like okay well who would go through the trouble of of actually manufacturing records yeah. to fake it you know even though we didn't actually manufacture records we just made right, it look just, like we did right so yeah, yeah. so then uh so then yeah that's kind of what made it really believable and then beyond that we didn't really do anything like there were a few little subtle things for the hardcore fans but like we didn't really do anything after that it just kind of was all speculation and theories and people reading into yeah. what the greek mythology means and people reading into what like little lines in the clips mean and putting it all together and then it just it just snowballed like crazy to the point where every like the hardcore fans really thought that Green Day was putting out this album called Magnum Opus of the Inglorious Kind, and they were so hyped.
And the thing is with Green Day, like they're a band where I think their hardcore fans are into their more epic rock opera stuff, which sure. they haven't necessarily been doing recently because it's something, you know, they already did it, right? So, so when Green Day put out the real single, I think it was called Father of All was their first single, which happened to just be right around the time when all our leak stuff was snowballing. People thought that Green Day was trolling. People thought that Green Day was just putting out this single to get out of their label because it happened to be their last album on their contract. Okay, so they thought okay. that they recorded this quick little garage garage rock short album because they've done it before as just, yeah. uh, okay, let's get out of our contract and let's put out our masterpiece album after that. Which and, is your album. Yeah, which wasn't yeah, real. Like, the, that yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. that wasn't happening. And yeah. so we knew that wasn't happening, obviously. But all these people in the comments were now saying, like, okay, Green Day, don't worry. We know this is just a joke. We know this is just a troll. <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah. We, we're waiting for your real album. And, and then um, on the message boards, people were really going with that theory. Like, there were hundreds and hundreds of pages of speculation. So one of the band's friends slash tour manager got on there and was saying like this is panic land this is a band doing this it's not real you guys are uh the band is probably laughing at all you guys right now and we had actually the video that's on youtube that kind of explains the whole thing we had actually made that specifically for the band like we had made that probably over a month before we put it on youtube just because you're talking directly to them on the video yeah 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 because because we didn't expect it to like snowball like that and it kind of created this weird sort of negative thing and with their album and stuff. So we just wanted to send them a video and just be like, this is why we did it. It was for fun. Yeah. Sorry, it was an accident. And then, <laughs> and then like, and then, uh, so we sent that to them and we just as a Dropbox link privately, right? And then one day when the speculation wouldn't die down, one of the band's friends just posted that video on the forum. Oh, wow. And then the kids on the forum started sharing it with each other. So we thought, okay, well, if people are sharing it, I mean, we weren't going to post it at all, but they posted it, right? So it's like, well, we might as well put it on YouTube. And then yeah. a few weeks, I guess, the algorithm thing just kind of took off and it just got sent to all, like, even the more casual Green Day fans that weren't part of the original thing. And then uh, and then that's how that all started. And then that kind of kicked it off for, like, like, hey, well, we like making this kind of music better than the stuff we're currently making. So... yeah. Well, that kind of all works out, you know, because they actually we... started liking the leaked songs, which is funny. And, yeah. uh, you know, they started to like them as legitimate songs instead of just like a Green Day style little experiment, which it started as. But I mean, uh, music's music. I don't really treat those songs any different than any other songs. Like they're still real songs for us. It was just sort of uh, uh, the context of it was this weird whole Green Day prank thing. But so that was cool. Yeah. So that's really it's a, it's a great story. Like the fact that you not only did that but pulled it off and made it kind of the, the fact that it snowballed is it's just crazy so when when did when did it officially come out like how long ago was the actual sort of reveal uh from from i guess the the manager or whatever um probably so, like somewhere around like right before christmas like maybe mid december okay. or late december yeah did, did you hear anything at all from what the band's reaction was to it like was there any word from them or from anyone who knew them about what they felt about the whole thing um yeah there there was there was a little bit because we we met we met with some people and stuff where i don't know if that was supposed to be like private or not but like well we met with people and and uh yeah they uh, the band thought it was funny you know they 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 were amused by it they weren't they weren't uh they weren't uh offended i don't think 
I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys obviously did it as being fans of theirs too. Yeah, yeah. Like we did, we did it. We did it as fans. It was just like a very bizarre thing, you know. Like it was weird that like the whole thing is just so weird. It was weird that someone would even want to do this, which we did want to do it, and it was weird <laughs> that we put in the effort to do it. It was weird that it worked, and then it was weird that people weren't mad at us for it, and then it was weird that people enjoyed it. Like, it was weird all around. That's why it's kind of so cool, I think, to everybody. Because yeah. it seems like, well, kind of no element of this really makes sense or should work. <laughs> but somehow it, it did, so. Totally. So is it now formally released as a Panic Land album? Like, it's now, people can check it out and they know it's you and it's all, yeah. check it up, right? Yeah, well, not all the songs, but like five or six or seven or something are out. And then we got a few more that are, we're going to do all 13. We have most of them recorded, but it's just a matter of, we want to get that one out and we want it to be legitimately good to the point where it's like right now it'll seem like, okay, this is part of that Green Day thing. But I yeah. want it to be like when the next album comes out, which we're recording at the same time, which is also almost finished, I want them to still be able to go back to the magnum opus of the Inglorious Kind album and it sound not out of place. Like I don't want it to sound sure. like full blown like Green Day. I want it to sort of sound like other things. And I mean, it was recorded to be like what Green Day would sound like if they were to try this so hopefully that little x factor is what'll be able to make it not sound in context from the future like okay this is too much like a like a little experiment or something yeah you wanted to fit in within your your overall catalog as as making sense right in the kind of timeline of your band yeah yeah because i mean we take it seriously like like i don't want it to just be like it the the whole context of it was an experiment but the music itself like we we do take the music seriously even if it was for just just like a weird little experiment type thing or just a weird prank like we still take the music seriously so for any any like fan of the band listening like like the songs aren't necessarily like you know if you guys like the songs like you're allowed to like the songs as as legitimate songs right they can stand alone rather than just being part of this elaborate thing yeah for sure yeah for sure. So when you're recording the two things at the same time, um, what's the sort of the plan for releasing these? Like, do you have a sort of a timeline of how far apart you want to release the, the two projects? Nope. Like, I, just kind of as as things get finished, I guess. Like, I want to... I don't, I don't even want to really do them, like, oh, finish one and then finish the other. Like, I, I kind of want to release both sort of at the same time. Like, a few singles from one thing and then a few singles from another thing. Sure. And, and kind of just jump back and forth. I think it's almost like a a cooler experience because i mean why why is music even released as albums currently it's because of uh the tradition the tradition of it you know and i'm not complaining i like albums just as much as the next guy but it's really just the the tradition of it right like why is there 12 songs in an album well because that's how you know how much they could fit on a record without it losing its quality right sure. um why are album covers square well because they're holding a circular record like they're they're like all they're these practical things where like we don't necessarily have to keep those traditions alive but it's nice to but you don't always have to do everything within those so I think it's kind of cool to sort of break out of that whenever you can and kind of do this little thing where it's like, like think of a song and then write it and record it and then release it like three days later with no plan. Sure. None of the whole like, uh, you know, social media build up and roll out and all that kind of goofiness, just like put it out. And if it's, if it's a nice song, the algorithm will kind of take care of it. And if the song sucks, then it won't. Well, I guess that's the kind of the, the good thing about the way that music's consumed now. Because, like, you know, old, crusty old assholes like me, like, you know, 
I still listen to physical media. I still, I, I don't use Spotify. I don't use any of that stuff. I refuse to, I'm just so stuck in my ways, right? Yeah. So I always complain, all oh, these stupid kids are listening to it wrong. But the benefit of it is that you can do things like that. You don't have to have a formal album ready or an EP. You can release them into the world whenever you feel like, even the day you recorded them, which is awesome. Like it's definitely, there's some benefits there that I can see that I just, yeah, I'm too old and stubborn to, 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 to want to do myself. But I, I get, I get it. Like I get well, the, the appeal. Yeah. I mean, there's benefits on both sides of it. Like I, I can, I'm like when I was 14, I was obsessed with vinyl. Like I was pretty against like everything else except like, yeah, yeah. you know, I buy so, so much vinyl. I buy a lot of CDs too. Cause I mean, that is a certain feeling. So it is a certain feeling. Like I clearly remember like the feeling of being 14 and laying on my floor, just like laying literally on all my Beatles CDs and just like listening to the Beatles music and just kind of like reading all the notes and just like, I don't like, it's just a feeling like I, I haven't even, I haven't felt that feeling for a long time. So there definitely is a, a time and a place for, for all of that. But it just happens that right now I'm just more excited by the other side of things, but like, sure. you know, I like it all. Well, I mean, you guys have been doing this for a long time now. You started this when you were very young, this band, and it's gone through all these different sounds and changes and you've kind of improved and developed and things like that. How old are you guys now? Like what, what kind of age group are you in? I can never tell how old anyone is at this point because once you pass like, 18 it's just like i don't know you're an adult we <laughs> like we just we just let people guess i like to just let people guess how old we are to be honest okay because <laughs> we, the reason I, the reason i ask is because like where do you think you guys fit in with like sort of what is being listened to now by people in your age group well because that's obviously changed over the various iterations of the band right yeah i mean the styles have changed the kind of things that your peers were listening to or, or people in your peer age group were listening to yeah like do you feel like what you're doing now is representative of what people your age want to hear um well maybe i i don't really know like here's the thing like i stopped caring about all of that like i stopped caring about uh, about like kind of the analytics of the whole thing like it is kind of a hobby that i like to dabble in but it uh, it, it takes up too, me- too much mental energy to think of all that kind of thing. Like, the only thing that I've been really worrying, not worrying about, but thinking about is, like, what would I want to hear? And then I think about that from different points of views of, like, like where I was at in certain periods of my life. So it's sure. not like, where would, what would I want to hear right now? What would what would fourteen year old me want to hear? What would uh, nineteen year old me want to hear? You know, what would twenty year old me want to hear? What would twelve year old me want to hear? And it's just that's kind of how I've been basing everything that I've been doing. You know, just like what would I what would I want to hear? And and of course, like things still got to fit into certain categories, kind of like what you're saying. But like I don't I don't want to uh, look at that category, come to some sort of conclusion about what I what I should be doing. And then do it. I would rather look at myself, come to some sort of conclusion about what I should be doing, and then look at those categories, if that makes yeah, sense. Sure. It does make sense, yeah.
And I imagine there's probably some kind of through line too between 12 year old you and 19 year old you and 20 year old you and even like 40 year old you in the future, right? Like there's, despite your, the changes in taste, there's still certain things you're always going to like and certain directions you're always going to kind of necessarily lean into because it's just what you're influenced by and what you grew up listening to and what you've experienced. I mean, like, you know, I'm 40 in a couple of years and I still listen to some of the tapes I have when I was 12. Yeah. Because that shit is, it's embedded in you, right? Like, I mean, whatever it was that appealed to me about, you know, listening to like Soundgarden or something in 1995, yeah. it still appeals to me now in 2020. Yeah. And I think, I, I imagine you got some stuff too, like whether it's the Beatles or whoever else that have always sort of just, no matter how you change your sound, that sticks through and that come, shines through, right? Well, yeah, that's seriously what it is. I mean, like, I mean, that, like, that's another kind of cool thing about, about Spotify at this moment, because people are, kids are listening to like Neil Diamond and stuff like that. And they wouldn't be listening to that stuff otherwise. Right. There's no way. No. And, and, and even the Beatles, I mean, of course, a lot of people are going to listen to the Beatles, but more kids like the Beatles aren't cultural icons in North America the way they are in the UK. Like they're part of the education system in the UK. You got to learn about sure. the Beatles. You have to learn about Beethoven. You got to learn about Mozart. You have to learn about you know. Here it's just like you got to learn the recorder. You got to learn every good boy deserves fudge. You know we we don't have that kind of thing. Like our history in Canada, we learn about like Louis Riel and stuff like that. But really, that's it's just okay. political history if you think about it. That's not history. That's one element of history. What does that have to do with history? That's just one little piece of history. The Beatles' impact on the world is history. Like the the rise of the Sex Pistols, that's part of history too. That they have may, may have made a bigger impact on the world than than like name any Canadian figure you want. Like it's just such this weird thing. And so because of that, kids aren't being exposed to like kids weren't being exposed to all these different things. But now you seriously can just discover the Beatles now right as a north american and certain music now is going to sound better to you at the age of 20 because you listen to the beatles for a year when you were 14 if you discover them on spotify because it shapes your musical taste sure i I don't i don't disagree with that but i think the counterpoint to that is that and this is also my own personal preference is that i think that there's something to be said about like hyper local content whether it's historical whether it's musical whether it's literature and and like i think that one of the best things about being in this kind of weird dystopian future where we can choose all of our own stuff on demand anytime we want it is that you know if i wanted to i could go deep into manitoba folk music and spend a hundred hours listening to nothing but like independent manitoba folk music and get super super immersed in that sort of microculture or i could go huge and go listen to you know bob dylan or or the beatles yeah or uh whatever you know mega extremely famous extremely influential band but i think that it's almost more a benefit that i i can go find some neighborhood in nigeria and listen to 35 guys who recorded albums there yeah and you know they got released like 100 copies each and someone's put them on the internet and now i can experience it and get super sucked into that and to me that's like kind of a more important uh element of this whole the way the internet works with music yeah well i agree actually like fully yeah, I don't. I, it wasn't really an argument. It was just like, hey, this is a thing. But yeah, no, yeah, it's it's, it's like the, the dual. Benefits, it's, right? you can... it's all true. It's like, well, it's like it allows people to really, in a way, become closer to their full potential, like personality-wise. Like, what are you truly? You know what I mean? Like, if so, if someone discovers some obscure Quincy Jones album from like 1969, and it's just like one of the most played albums of of their life. I mean, they wouldn't have discovered that part of them that was always there. 
unless they had that sort of you know i'm i'm kind of talking about spotify but i guess yeah the internet as a whole you know they would have needed that entry point, and the internet just makes those entry points easier. They could have still found it somewhere along the line. Someone introduced it to them, they read a review, or they bought the album on a whim. But yeah, the internet makes it, and Spotify and all that stuff, it's definitely more of a direct kind of connection to yeah. that stuff without having to do the, the legwork, really. Yeah, but I mean, like, but you can definitely find that in, in any area, too. I mean, like, there's definitely albums that I love where I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have found that album Unless I just went to Planet of Sound and walked in and picked a random yeah. CD off the shelf, right? Sure, and yeah, that, something that appeals to you about the art or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's something to be said f- for that too, but I mean, uh, I guess it just depends on what kind of person you are, because the internet is, you know, just so smart that it knows what you would probably like, so it's usually right, whereas if it, the internet kind of knows you better than you know yourself in a weird kind of scary way. Because it you, keeps track of your of your activities and your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it can, it can make perfect suggestions, right? And that's, I find myself finding, like, be, finding more stuff consistently in line with what I like more than when I used to kind of go out, like, looking for things. But that doesn't mean the internet's better. That just means maybe I suck at going out looking for things myself. <laughs> or you become accustomed. You become accustomed to the internet doing that bit of the work for you. Yeah. That you, you, it's, it's just easier now, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's kind of off topic. But I, I, I do find it interesting because, like like I said, I, I'm still set in my ways and I refuse to... Uh, part of it's because I'm cheap. I don't want to pay for, even though I buy records, so I'm not really that cheap. But you know, the the idea of paying for something where I don't own it, it just weirds me out. So I, I still haven't yeah. gone over to Spotify and that stuff. But I'm always interested in how people use it because, like, I mean, I have used it. I understand how it works. It's just, uh, you know, we're in an era where everyone can listen to music however they want. Like, there's no the reason that everyone listens to different stuff is because there's no kind of universal music anymore. It's you know, there used to be you have five singles that everyone knew regardless of what kind of music they listen to. And now if someone wanted to listen to only panic land for the rest of their life, they could go on Spotify and get in some little corner with your stuff. Yeah. And potentially just listen to only that and never be exposed to anything else. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be weird, I think, but I mean, yeah. you guys would benefit, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> if so, anyone so wants it, to try though, they can. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that'd be a good, uh, like, you know, documentary thing. Just like what happens to you <laughs> on a diet of nothing but panic land. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm glad you guys are still doing this stuff. I'm glad kind of your sound is progressing and, and that you've uh, sort of taken all these experiences, whether it was going to LA, whether it was doing the Green Day thing and sort of are, you know, coalescing all of that into something something new and something, I guess, probably better and, than what you've done in the past. Yeah, I think I think it, I think it's better. Like, I, I always think our, our newer stuff is, is slightly better, but... But there's just such a like a higher quantity to what like with what we're doing now that like to me that's always the confirmation where like you're you're doing something you like more, and, yeah. and but it, it's also like I mean when you're working with when you're working with other producers right you're you're having to make deals with them like it's not just like oh la da 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 we're gonna write a song together like no you have to you have to like go and like meet with people and you know talk about stuff and then go in and do a session for like four days on one song and then it sits on someone's hard drive for like six months and you have to yeah. like keep in touch like okay where's the song at is it being mixed and it's like do we have the split sheets figured out and like who's who owns the master uh okay is this is this contract proper and it's just it's just like it takes that's why if you ever see like artists where it's like they're you know they're kind of working with people like they're not fully independent but they're they're independent but they're they kind of got a team of people and you yeah. wonder like why are they putting one song out every six months that's why it's because of like that whole process and i just love not being part of that because we can put sure. out so much stuff right now and uh 
stuff that's exactly what 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 we want so that that's awesome yeah so if people want to hear that stuff what what you have out now and what's coming up in the future what's the best uh, way to track you guys down and find out what you're up to they can well spot like yeah spotify apple music i think we're gonna be making a lot of people have been make asking if we're gonna make actual uh, uh magnum opus of the inglorious kind vinyls which okay. we are and cool. and uh the lives I try to go live during the pandemic times like a lot and I play like usually every time I go live I play a new song on the live that I just recorded it's, it's a nice way to kind of get people's opinions and group songs and stuff like that and uh, yeah so I guess that's where they can hear stuff I don't know when the next thing is going to be out like I said we're not really like planning timelines we're just usually recording something and then putting it out recording putting it out so we have okay. a bunch of new cool. stuff recorded um um so i don't know probably within the next few weeks there will be a few new songs out awesome okay that's that's right on that's cool and people should just stay tuned to your social media and stuff too you guys are pretty active on there and yeah yeah pretty pretty instagram for sure (laughs) cool cool all right well yeah well thanks for doing this i mean i'm glad to glad to catch up always happy to have you guys on the show um uh, you know it's like i said at the beginning too it's, it's interesting because when i first heard you i don't think i ever would have it wasn't something i was into you know but half the every time i hear more of your stuff I feel like I get it more. I feel like it's kind of more, I understand what you're doing. And after talking to you, see what helps, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's one of the nice things about this show is, is that I, you know, I've been doing it for like eight years now and I talked to a lot of people whose music I was already a fan of and already like, and then talked to people who I've never heard before at all. And I think that like in doing these, it helps me appreciate what someone's doing even if it's some genre I have no connection to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm ha- always happy to have you on and like, at least you are, um, you guys are doing something interesting, no matter what it is. It, it, it's always interesting and you always have a lot to say about it. So I appreciate, uh, you coming back on the show. Well, I, I appreciate, uh, you, uh, you consistently kind of having us on the show, open-minded, you know, that's cool. Um, yeah, right on. so, uh, yeah, thank you.
Even California's cold some nights Cool, thank you.